Welcome to Slow Seasons, a podcast to nurture the creative journey, particularly if you are in the beginning stages of your creative practice or transitioning from a traditional job into working for yourself. I'm your host, Marsha Barron, artist, designer, creative entrepreneur. You can find my work online on my website at marshabarondesign.com and on Facebook and Instagram at marshabarondesign. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram at Slow Seasons Podcast. Attention Tucson locals, the fall made in Tucson market is coming up and I will be a featured artist. Come by to say hi and do some holiday shopping with me and over 150 plus other local artists and makers on Sunday, November 27th, 2022 from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. This is a one day only event that you won't want to miss. We will be located on 7th Street, west of 4th Avenue. Look for Marsha Baron Design Studio. Can't wait to see you. Welcome back to Slow Seasons. This is part three of a three-part mini lesson series. If you did not yet listen to episodes four and five, I encourage you to stop this episode here and listen to those in order first, then return to this episode as they all build on each other. So episode four, we focused on just becoming aware of our thought patterns and paying specific attention to negative thought patterns emotions or physical sensations that arise in everyday life, especially when we're working towards something um, that's part of our life goals or career goals or our creativity. Our homework in episode four was to keep a journal or a piece of paper with your thought patterns and start to identify your limiting beliefs. Then in episode five, um, It involved a guided hypnosis session and visualization exercise that helped to detach ourselves from our limiting beliefs and let go of what no longer serves us. And today in episode six, we will be putting everything together that we have learned so far and learn how to anchor positive emotions and beliefs to replace the limiting beliefs we have now released. So as a reminder, you can access episode notes and downloadable printable worksheets that correspond to each episode on this podcast for free on my website, marshabarondesign.com forward slash slow seasons podcast and either click on slow seasons blog to access episode notes, summary links and links that you can click on, or you can go to a button that says resources and that will take you directly to the downloadable worksheets if you want to skip all the all the episode notes and just go straight to the worksheets so i just recorded an entire segment without the microphone plugged in so it's just one of those days (laughs) and my voice is a little raspy because i'm getting over being sick because i have a kindergarten son (laughs) he's in kindergarten and he's been sick nonstop since he entered school, so he always brings home all the sicknesses as it goes. <clears throat> so we're going to just start this over again.
Okay, bear with me and my raspy voice. So what do we do with the false limiting beliefs that we have released? Where do they go? How do we get ourselves to no longer believe these false beliefs? If you follow along in the previous episode and have released the limiting belief that you chose to tackle that day, it's time to now confront this belief and pick it apart just to prove how false it really is and to begin to believe a new truth. For our purposes here, we're going to revisit the examples of limiting beliefs I gave in episode 4, which are common false beliefs in creative careers um, or a creative environment. So in episode 4, I gave 10 examples of common limiting beliefs, but that will take kind of forever to go through each one of those. So for today, as an example, I'll just go through five of them, the first five, um, and then you can do the rest yourself if you like as an exercise. So in my notes here, the first limiting belief that I gave as an example in episode four, there is no money in art. So this is the myth of the starving artist or the suffering artist. And if you're in a creative career, or even if you're not, I'm sure you've heard that myth many, many times. It's, I think, the oldest in the book. The starving artist. You hear it all the time. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be so bluntly told to us as a lie. It can be told to us in the form of, what will you do with a pointless college degree like art? You're not even going to use that degree. Or, while you were painting, I was doing actual work. Or, why don't you choose a career that will actually make you money? Or, I thought my daughter would need a backup major like cosmetology, but phew! Luckily it clicked and she was able to study something more useful and practical instead. Now these are all real life examples of real things that have been told to me, either in relationship or relation to my own artwork and my own choice of following the creative path as my chosen career or told to me as stories about their own kids or their own whatever. So they seem very outlandish, but those are actual real examples and how false they are, right? And some people, some artists, choose to live out the starving artist myth or the suffering artist myth, and everything's just a little extra dramatic in the way that we manifest these things such as a car doesn't work, it breaks down, you can't catch a break, um, something help, happens to prevent you in following through with a creative endeavor, um, you don't get callbacks for jobs, etc., etc. And I used to live out this, this um, starving artist myth and suffering artist myth uh, way back in the day, especially as a college student and a little after college, I... I would get a lot of dead-end jobs or minimum wage jobs that just would not make enough money for me to even survive and get an apartment. Um, and my shifts would just suck. I wouldn't get any tips if I, were, if I was waitressing. Um, <clears throat> my car would break down all the time. So little things like that. And, well, we have to start to ask our subconscious mind when we started believing this lie, when was the first time we heard it and chose to take it on as a fact that couldn't be argued? For me, it was kindergarten. 
So I told you in a previous episode, I think it might have been episode four or three. I don't remember exactly off top of my mind. But in kindergarten at five years old, that was the first time that I was told directly that art was not a valid career choice. It was more of a a hobby and it would not make me any money. It wasn't a valid job. And I think that's when I started believing that lie. Um, And it took me all these years up until now, currently at age 34, to, to fight this belief and prove it wrong. So if we haven't yet identified this this limiting belief and released it in the previous visualization exercise that I gave in episode 5, now's the time to tackle this. Now we get to question this false belief and prove it wrong. Can we find examples of how and when there has been money in art? Can we note successful artists or artists who work for themselves full-time successfully? Do you personally know someone who works in this field that you want to be in and does it full-time and they actually make a good living? If they are doing it, then it can be done. If one person can do it, another person can do it, and another and another. So the myth of the starving artist isn't necessarily true. It doesn't hold up. So you can learn to conduct business the way that your friend or whoever does Don't copy them, but pay attention to how they present themselves as an artist to the world and the revenue streams that they have created and know that you can be their equal. You're not below them. You are on their level. There may be areas to evolve and grow in and study and research, but it's well within your grasp. If you are an artist who has participated in art markets, for example, are you not surrounded by tons of other artists who are doing the same thing as you? So starving or suffering artists, nope, that's a lie. We just proved that with these arguments. And you can go even further and mark down or write down your own personal um, stories that you've heard. And if you yourself know friends who work for themselves, that's proof that it's that that starving artist myth is a lie. <clears throat> Okay, limiting belief example number two. It's all about who you know. So this lie was probably started from someone or by someone who got rejected for an opportunity and wanted to place blame on someone or something else besides themselves and then started spreading this lie to others that we can't succeed in a creative field without knowing others in high places. We can't do it on our own. So think back to your own life how many times have you started a project on your own without anyone telling you what to do how many times have you started working on a project where you had all the ideas for it you got all the materials for it that you needed you started working on it by yourself with no outside direction and you produced this final product you did that on your own so as an example for my own life I moved from California to Arizona um, two years ago without knowing anyone at all or having family here other than my husband and son who moved with me. So I really started from scratch by myself. I didn't know anyone at all in the creative community here, and yet I am establishing my art career here in Tucson. It might be a little slower than I, you know, had anticipated or wanted, but I'm still getting out there. 
Pick at least one example where you have done something on your own. That's proof enough that it's all about who you know thing. That's a lie. Living belief example number three, the market is too saturated. That's a classic one that I hear all the time. So this lie implies that there's no room for you. There's too much competition. You're not good enough to be here, to be noticed or to, or to succeed. So leave, quit, do something else, anything but this. So we use this an excuse. We use this as an excuse to quit before we begin because why bother? The market is too saturated anyway. But what is the real truth? Is it really too saturated? It seems like whatever market you are in, it's too saturated, or that's what you're told at least. But if you break it down and bit by bit, you really start to see it actually is not saturated. It's not too saturated. The majority of the quote-unquote saturation is at the bottom. Think of a pyramid shape. The people who are toying around in your creative field are at the bottom. The ones doing it for fun as a hobby and they're not taking it seriously. They're doing it as a side thing, not taking steps towards growth, and they're setting themselves and not setting themselves apart. Which means the more energy you put behind growing in your creative field and heading towards the top, the less saturation there will be because you're heading towards the top of the pyramid. Others start to fall off of that of that path that you're on at the point of growth or of difficulty or any challenge that comes their way, that's when people start to fall off. But if you push through that point of something being difficult and you continue consistently showing up, you're going to get through that point of difficulty where others fall off and you're going to stick around still. So there will be less people but you're going to still be in there and you're going to be heading towards the top where there's less saturation. So if you think about it, there's not as many people at the top. There's room at the top because the majority stay at the bottom. It's not saturated there at the top. That's where you're going. That's where you belong. Now, also think of your individual talents and your individual skill set. Think about what makes you, you, And lean hard into that, the things that set you apart, any quirks that you have, any personality quirks, any misfit qualities that you might have that maybe stood out to you when you were a kid and growing up. Is there someone else like you? No. So how can there be no room for someone different? So when we can see here that the market is too saturated for those who are the same, You can also see that you're different. So lean into your individuality and authenticity and you can see there is room for you. The market's not too saturated because you're you. You're different. There's only one you. Limiting belief, example number four, I'm not talented enough. So, well, first of all, says who? By whose standards are you not talented enough? Are you judging your abilities against someone who has been in your field that you want to be in for far longer than you? If you're comparing yourself to someone specific in your head, think back to what they must have been like in the beginning. 
The truth is we all start somewhere. So don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. You are on your own unique path that is different than mine and anybody else's. My artwork as a five-year-old was different than when I was 10 and 15 and 20 and 25 and 30 and now. I can't possibly compare my work at those points and judge it against against itself um, at this point, at this age. With time and consistency, your skills get better. You have to put in the consistency and the practice. And it's something you can't skip over. You just have to do it and go through it. So you have to reframe this false belief as I'm learning to improve my talents and grow. I'm enjoying the process of learning. I'm enjoying where I currently am in my own personal path. And remember that in five years, you'll look back and see the vast difference in your skills. Limiting belief number five I don't know how to network. So this lie ties into the false belief of it's all about who you know and the market is too saturated, which we already debunked. And if you think about it, networking is a skill. Skills can be learned. So if your current networking skills are rusty, it's time to brush up on some online courses or something similar, read some books, read some blogs, listen to some podcasts like this one, and also know that maybe people everywhere are rusty when it comes to networking. We went through a global pandemic not too long ago where we were basically confined to our own homes and our own little bubbles for a while. So you're in good company. Just talk, make conversation. That's networking. You are a magnet too. So if you're And so is your creative work. So you attract. You don't need to chase others. I know a lot of emphasis is put on networking. Whenever you go on business websites or business forums, it's all about networking, networking, networking. And that's a lot of pressure. And that can really feed into our our false belief of, I don't know how to network. If you know how to put together a sentence, you know how to network. Just remember that it's a learned skill. Skills take time and they take practice. So is that true? Is that false belief true? I don't know how to network. No, not necessarily, because it's something that you can learn. So just put in the time and the effort and you'll get there. And just like that, we have debunked that last one as well. So the last ones I'm not going to go through um, as as um, detailed as these, but just some of the others are, I'm not a real artist. Art's not a real job. It's just a hobby. I'm not popular enough to get noticed. No one will buy my art. I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money. Those are some other limiting beliefs that um, I gave as examples. And if you want to go through through those on your own and write them down and then try to... um, debunk those limiting beliefs that might be an exercise that is worthwhile and will give you some practice in doing that but I'm sure that you've come up with your own as well so a good practice to have is to question your limiting beliefs like we just did um, whenever they crop up because as we can see here there's no real evidence to back them up so why should you have to believe them they're simply thoughts 
thoughts by themselves do not carry any negative or positive connotations. They're just neutral. We are the ones who assign thoughts any power. So reminding ourselves of this fact gives us the upper hand over our own emotions, thought patterns, and limiting beliefs. And now a quick word from our sponsor, aka myself. Hey creatives, listener support is now active. If you are enjoying this podcast and love what you hear each week, consider becoming a monthly supporter. With a monthly contribution of as little as 99 cents, supporters like you will ensure that this podcast stays around for a long time. All you have to do is visit marshabarondesign.com forward slash slow seasons podcast and click on support this podcast or visit anchor.fm forward slash slow dash seasons forward slash support. Once you sign up for monthly contributions, email me at hello at marshabarondesign.com or drop me a DM on Instagram and let me know that you signed up and I'll send you a little thank you as a surprise. And we're back. So on episode four, um, the homework I gave you was to keep track of your limiting beliefs, thoughts, and emotions, and any other sensations that came up during everyday life, and especially when working on our creative endeavors. If you have a dedicated notebook or something you were using to keep track of those, it would be useful to use that same notebook um, to expand on each of the things you wrote down and then to start debunking your own false beliefs. If you need to look back on them in the future as a reminder to yourself, your evidence is right there and you can refer back to why you should not believe everything the little voices inside you tell you. They are not always right. So now we're going to start anchoring positive emotions, thoughts and beliefs, and even good memories. The process of creating an anchor is quite simple, but something I'm guilty of forgetting to do too. So this podcast episode serves as a reminder to myself as well as anyone listening. An anchor, as an unofficial definition, is basically like tying an emotion or a memory to a part of your body, and you can access this anchor anytime. It can be thought of as a stimulus that influences your state of mind. An example would be receiving a text message or notification on your phone. It causes you to stop what you're doing and focus on that thing that just popped up on your phone. Sense can also bring you back to a memory, whether it's good or bad, and make you relive something. That's why food is so powerful. The smell of our favorite foods can take us back to childhood, can take us back to Um, a memory of traveling to a different country or a different state or part of the country that you are in. It can bring you back to childhood, um, an event like a wedding. And even candles are popular, I think, because we love to surround ourselves with good scents, Um, especially during the holidays. A lot of people buy pumpkin scented candles or peppermint scented candles um, and I think it just it elicits that memory from maybe childhood or that traditional scent 
um, um, we love to surround ourselves with good sense and there are, and we're repulsed by bad sense. It's basically like Pavlov's dogs, but for humans. So <clears throat> now we're going to learn how to set an anchor. So in episode four, I asked you to become aware of your emotions and state of mind, particularly the negative false beliefs. Now I'll ask you to do the opposite and begin to become aware of when you experience a good emotion in relation to your creative work. If something is worth celebrating, both big and small, write it down. And if it's something that interests you, I would suggest starting a gratitude journal um, and write down things that you're grateful for, particularly in correlation to your creativity or your point of focus um, for you. <clears throat> for me, I, I pay special attention to my art journey. I celebrate every little tiny thing. You will start to build up a little collection of good positive memories in association with your, or, with your own art or creativity. This can also be applied to any aspect of life, but for this podcast, we're focusing on creativity and creative, creative entrepreneurship. Okay, so now with your collection of positive memories that you've written down, it's time to set an anchor. You can do so intentionally by looking through the memories that you've written down. And when you get, a, get really good at setting anchors, you can then even do it on the spot when an emotional experience is happening in real time. So let's go through setting an anchor based on a past experience from something that you have written down in your journal or your notebook. Anchors are really based on sensory, like our senses. So for example visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. Um, and what you do is pick one of your memories that you want to focus on and just do one at a time. And uh, something that you want to experience more of and then anchor it into your sensory awareness by placing your fingertips on a part of your body that is easily accessible but not something that's going to be touched by accident. So somewhere like, for example, like the inner arm or below your elbow or maybe behind your ear. Um, so just pick something for you, whatever you want. So you're going to start by closing your eyes and focus on the experience of the memory you are accessing and fully immerse yourself in it. What were the sights and sounds and scents around you? What is the emotion that you're feeling? Uh, was it gratitude, joy, calm, peace, um, energetic, an energetic feeling, pride? It can be anything. Continue to focus on that memory while anchoring it on the part of your body that you selected. So as an example, if I'm anchoring the emotion of joy and pride in my artwork, I can go back to a memory I have of, let's say, participating in a past art market where I got tons of compliments on my work and um, really felt like it was connecting to, to an audience. So I can focus on all the sights and sounds and scents and the people and what was said, what was said to me and about my artwork and most importantly, what I was feeling at the time of the event as it was happening. 
So if I'm focusing on a past art market, for example, I can focus on uh, remembering back to what music was playing, how was I feeling, uh, what were some of the compliments that people were saying to me about my work, um, even what was I eating that day. I remember I was eating a delicious BLT sandwich at my first art market. Um, what else? You can remember the weather. It was a nice sunny day. Pretty much anything that connects you to that memory and what you were going through. So then I would anchor that feeling by placing my fingertips on the inner part of my arm where my elbow bends and lightly press that area for about 30 seconds or so. And then in the future, I can access and stimulate those same emotions by placing my fingertips on that same area where I initially anchored the emotion. This can also bring benefits like anxiety and depression relief um, or if we are in the midst of a panic attack. Remember though, I'm not a doctor or medical professional. I can't guarantee results. I can just simply offer a tool for you to add to your existing arsenal and tell you what has worked for me in the past. So please do not blame me if this doesn't work for you. But I sincerely hope that it does. And I hope that it does get easier to do these exercises um, as you practice them. <clears throat> so you can also use this anchoring method when you're in the moment and you catch yourself in the midst of an experience you want to keep remembering or keep um, having more experiences like that. And you'll start to consistently create um, those preferred experiences or preferred emotions. Um, and you can pause and take a moment to take in that experience fully um, with all the sights and sounds, all your sensory, all your senses, and create a quick anchor. You can also do the same thing if you're a horrible, if you're horrible at remembering names like I am. You can learn a person's name by repeating their name when they introduce themselves to you and create a mental image associated with their name, repeating the name in your head three times, and creating a quick anchor with that. I try to do this when I remember, but honestly, I'm still so bad at remembering names. I, I'm trying to get better, but no promises. <clears throat> so sorry in advance if I meet you in person multiple times and I still don't get it right. I'm working on it. Um... So as you can see, using anchors can be used for multiple things, um, everyday things like remembering names or remembering a list of things that you need to memorize for some reason. And it could be used for more, uh, more important things like um, anchoring a good emotion to replace a negative belief that you've let go of. So... And the examples that we gave earlier of our limiting beliefs, such as I'm not a real artist or there's no money in art, that starving artist myth. We can debunk that and give examples of why that's not true. And then we can even create a mantra to turn that into a positive belief and anchor that new positive belief. So if we're looking at, let's say, 
the first example was, <clears throat> let me look at my notes really quick. The first example was, there's no money in art. So it's a myth of the starving artist or suffering artist. We debunked that and we showed why that was a lie. So how can we turn this into something positive? We can start to create a mantra for ourselves where we can tell ourselves, I'm a thriving artist. I find opportunities for my artwork to grow and to shine. And I am learning and growing every day in my artwork, in my art practice. Um, and feel free to create your own mantra. Uh, my words are for me specifically, but you can create whichever mantra or, or good positive message for yourself. And then think back to a good memory that you had in relationship or relation to your own art practice. Like for me, as an example, I was using like my first art market. Um, and the response I got there. And I can see that I was, I thrived in that art market space. Um, and then I can use that to create an anchor. So if we're putting everything together, <clears throat> we can see in episode four, um, which was being aware of our thought patterns. Then episode five, we released our old limiting beliefs that no longer serve us. And now in this episode, we're debunking our limiting beliefs on a more um, proactive level or more like we're more aware of it, not just releasing them, but we're debunking them on purpose and now creating a new positive belief to replace that and anchoring that. So you can do this with all aspects of your life. Um, as I said before, we're focusing on creativity here with this podcast. Um, and you can follow those same steps uh, with each of your limiting beliefs as they come up. Um, just focus on one at a time, but go through each of those steps. And you'll eventually get to a place where you're, you've been practicing consistently, consistently with it. So you'll be able to, to knock out this limiting belief pretty quickly. You won't have to listen to three different podcast episodes to do it. You'll be able to identify the limiting belief, release it with that hypnosis, um, that guided hypnosis session that I gave you, uh, and then debunk it yourself. Why is this a false belief? Why is it a lie? And then replace that with a new truth that you are telling yourself and anchor that so it's pretty much like a five-step process and you'll be able to get that quickly just practice um, and as a reminder like I said at the beginning of this episode if you have a difficult time remembering the steps you can go and access the episode notes so for today's session where we put everything together, just head over to my website, marshabarondesign.com. 
forward slash slow seasons podcast and click on I would say click on the blog that way you can see all the summary notes um, including like the the steps and then if you want to download any of the worksheets you can do that as well um, and that will be a quick way to reference um, all of this information and as always if you want to share with me your own experience of finding your own limiting beliefs and debunking them and um, how you've been able to then anchor new beliefs. I would love to hear it. You can either send me a message on Instagram, a DM. You can email me at hello at marshabarondesign.com. Um, and if you're on the Anchor uh, platform listening to this, you can go ahead and leave me a voicemail there as well. So I love hearing from you. You can take some time to leave a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And yeah, we'll keep in touch. Thank you for listening today. This concludes all three parts of this mini lesson series. And we'll start some new stuff in the upcoming episodes. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Slow Seasons, a podcast to nurture the creative journey. This has been a Marsha Baron Design Studio production. You can check out my work on marshabarondesign.com and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Marsha Baron Design. You can also check out more about this podcast on marshabarondesign.com forward slash slow seasons podcast and follow us on Instagram at slow seasons podcast. Thanks.